the interest of time, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, Kaylee. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to be Kaylee now. Uh, <laughs> certainly not as a, a professional of this. So, Alan, I'm going to keep your introduction really short because we we are really pressed with time. It's I hear you. Largely my fault, and I, I apologize that you are the last person to go and, and the beneficiary of a tight schedule. Um, you have played a number of roles in the market. Um, I, I think uh, sort of the before you entered in retirement, you were the chief commercial officer of UPS. You did the Coyote deal. So you've worked through all aspects of, of, of this organization. And then recently, a couple of years ago, you joined as a, um, a, a member of the 8VC Venture Capital Organization. Um, you also sit on a number of boards, OTR Capital being one of those that is a, is a major participant in this market, particularly for all the sort of trends around brokerage and, and, and all the stuff that's happening there. So you, you're seeing all aspects of it. Tell us, what is the state of the freight market right now? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Obviously we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a down cycle, right? And, uh, I think it's, it's exasperated by, uh, you know, the, the up cycle we had with COVID, right? And I think that, you know, because of that, it's, it's made this down cycle seem even, you know, worse than it really is. Right. And, uh, you know, a few of your other, um, you know, guests up here, I think it was the you know the fellow from Flock Freight said, "Hey, we we've been through this before, mm-hmm. right?" But I do think that you know that for whatever reason, there's a number of reasons you know during that that huge up cycle that there was a tremendous amount of cost and capacity you know added, and part of it was you know rightfully so to take advantage of the opportunity and make make sure that you know you could grab every piece of business that you possibly could, and then the uh, then, then the uh, you know the wheels came off the truck, so to speak, right? And everybody found themselves with a huge amount of cost, a huge amount of excess capacity, and uh, you know everybody's having to you know you know make those adjustments, which you know kind of makes it look even worse than than it really is. But but I also think that you know we're we're in a, in a period of excess capacity across all logistics, which I you know I think is interesting. You know you know parcel being the most you know, non-cyclical mm-hmm. uh, or least cyclical of the uh, um, of the uh, you know transportation industry is feels kind of cyclical right now. Do, do you right? find it interesting, bizarre, crazy, or how do you find it um, that FedEx has been encouraging some of his more senior pilots to retire or leave the organization and join American Airlines? And UPS, I believe. Yeah, same. yeah, same, same thing, same thing, right? And uh, I was on the board of, uh, you know, Cargo Jet uh, in, in Canada, who's the, you know, the largest Canadian air cargo carrier. And they actually carry Amazon, UPS, Purolator, some FedEx. Um, and, and, and they're in the same situation. I think two things are happening there. Number one, you know, they're, they're being impacted, you know, by the same phenomena that the rest of the industry is, but there's, there's also, um, you know, a push back to surface transportation, right? There was this, you know, a number of years ago, you know, there was a big, uh, you know, kind of just in time, mm-hmm. you know, phenomena that I think, you know, folks have now kind of rationalized and figured out how to, you know, run their, run their businesses more efficiently using, using surface transportation. The other thing that's happened, you know, the Amazon effect, a lot of, you know, in the parcel industry, a lot of the goods now are being stored very close to the last mile. So, you know, you, you, you need less air to, you know, you know, for Amazon, 
anything they put up in the air, which is a lot, <laughs> was because the inventory wasn't close. It was it was a mistake. You know, so you know, I say it's a mistake, but but it's you know, they're probably the best at placing inventory in the right place trying to predict consumer demand, but but anything that they flew, you know, they really didn't want to fly, right? And so folks are getting better at that. So I think that the 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 parcel air business is uh, is not going to grow as fast as the ground business anymore, and uh, so there's going to be uh, some right sizing that needs to take place there. It is a. I was looking at the Freight Tech Awards. I don't know if you saw the list of the companies that got our innovation, the top 25 right. innovation. It's a complete changeover of the guard. A lot of the companies that usually make the list weren't on the list. There was a couple of themes. We had some parcel and some e-commerce that was higher on the list than, than has typically been. Um, some new names. Um, it seems like, and one of the really interesting things is, uh, in addition to that, J.B. Hunt came out and talked about Intermodal. Their their new service offering is, and I, I had Spencer back here after he presented it, and it's like, this is like back to the basics. Like we're af- we are beyond the generation of sort of speculative uh, uh, technology disruption and more back to fundamentals and blocking and tackling in the space. And I think it's been a shift. Um, what does this mean for you? And what, what are you seeing in terms of the excesses? If we were in the sort of venture capital phase of the freight cycle and the freight tech cycle, we're now over that. What is, where are we at right now? You know, let me get to that. But when you talked about the the intermodal, you kind of struck me there a little bit. You know, I think that, you know, the other thing that's happened is the there was this tremendous need for speed, right? And, you know, putting stuff on the rail, typically, you know, you could move things by truck faster. Yeah. Right. Rail was cheaper. UPS, you know, used about a billion dollars of the rail. Right. One of the biggest, you know, uh, trailer on flat car, uh, you know, uh, users, and. Um, and now, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, you know, Amazon kind of caused that with, you know, their, you know, two day and then next day and then, then same day. But when you did the research on that, what you found out was that consumers and, you know, whether you're household consumers or business consumers, they weren't as interested in speed as knowing that when I ordered it, when I'm going to get it right. And Amazon you know, kind of use two day as a proxy for that. And we all know that when you go to Amazon site, it says order this by mm-hmm. this time and get it by then, right? And they're there. Or, or they give you, now they give you choices. Right. Where sometimes right. it's cheaper. Right. So, so, the, so companies that can tell their customers, whether they're business customers or household customers, when they're going to get it right on the site, right? Or when they're ordering is what customers want. And then if they want it faster, there are obviously always other ways to do it. Yeah. And I think that's why rail and, you know, some of these other, you know, quote unquote, slower modes are becoming in vogue. Um, is, is it a reaction to like inflation? Like the demand, the super hyper cycle demand of, you know, everything's so screwed up during COVID. Um, I need it now. I need instant gratification, but I also need it now because it's, I, I need it now. Um, and now it's more, hey, we have this massive inflationary environment. Everyone's cost constrained and budget constrained, as we've heard today. Is, is this a situation where intermodal and other forms, you know, moving stuff from air to truck or air yeah. to surface is, is popular? Is that we're downgrading the, uh, the speed of which products are coming, but we're doing that because it's just cheaper to do so? I think that's part of it, but I also do think the tools, the technologies 
that that folks are implementing to to better manage their inventories are you know putting more of their inventory in the right place at the right time so that they can take advantage of surface transportation you know rather than rather than air so you know i think it's it's a combination of of both those things and let's face it i mean i i think all of us enjoyed the amazon effect right of getting stuff fast but most of the time, you really didn't need it that fast, right? There were times in COVID, right. two reasons I wanted it fast. One was because there's nothing to do. Right. Second of all, I had to have certain items because I couldn't go out and get it. Right. I needed it right then. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, I ordered some stuff from Garmin like two weeks ago. It's going to show up at my house today. I didn't need it right now. Right, right. Like, and so you're right. It's, it's like we have the consumer bias to, to want things immediately is not that pertinent when you look at the reality of our lives, especially when we're not in a COVID climate where we're at home literally with nothing to do. And I think that's a really interesting point that's probably understated in terms of what's where the market's at. Yeah. Yeah. So get, get, getting back to your other question about, you know, the, 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 the top 25 and, you know, look, it's, by the way, Amazon got number one in that uh, most innovative company in our space. And I thought that was really interesting because, um, uh, last year they were number six, but you know, obviously they're doing right things by our, our judges, our panel of judges are saying, look, Amazon is a company that's doing the right things. And it's interesting because it's not as if we talk about the de-emphasization of speed. It has not effect effectively hurt their business model by downgrading the, the, the velocity of the product. But you also made an interesting point that they put a lot of this freight inside of fulfillment centers that are closer to homes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think where freight techs, you know, going is that, you know, look, there's, there's, we've been in a little bit of a hype cycle, right? And it's not really about disruption, right? It takes a lot to disrupt, right? Right. And when you think about some of the things that, you know, you know, uh, in one of your other sessions, you're talking about visibility, right? Well, you know, visibility kind of outside of parcel you know, was kind of non-existent a few years ago. So you weren't disrupting anything. You know, Macropoint came in, then P44 and Four Kites. They filled a white space where there was, you know, people were making phone calls. That's what they disrupted, right? You know, where's my truck, right? Right? And so they, 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 they were able to fill, the, fill a white space, not necessarily disrupt, you know, something else, right? And I think that, you know, that's, that's really what's been happening. Um, you know, the... The digital brokers, maybe they thought they were going to disrupt and just change the whole way truckload, you know, brokerage truckload happened. But in the end, you know, they were going to be another player. At best, another player that may take significant share, but not change things. When I think about disruption, and I've kind of, you know, you know, at UPS, you know, for a big part of my career... You know, my job was, you know, strategy, study the competitors, study the market, where are things going, you know, watch out for, and, you know, not, not, to, not, not to come back to Amazon because they won number one, but the one, the one big disruption that happened during my career was e-commerce, right? And obviously Amazon was the poster child for that. And that changed a lot of the way that, you know, UPS and FedEx, and obviously, more importantly, the retailers, the retailers got disrupted, mm. right? You know, I think UPS and FedEx also got disrupted because a lot of that parcel volume 
that they could have claimed, you know, um, you know, went, went, you know, went to Amazon's direct network. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't put UPS or FedEx out of business. Right. Right. I mean, no, they yeah, became a third player. Right. I mean, right. But, but, but maybe, or, or maybe, maybe UPS and FedEx more. missed an opportunity. Oh, at, right. By far. I mean, right. you can say it from the inside, right. but, but obviously, um, watching the FedEx Amazon story play out different than the UPS Amazon right. story is, um, obviously, you know, as Amazon right. assented to become a, a major participant in the logistics ecosystem, they have to share, but yeah. neither of those three companies, there's at least room for four if you right. get DHL in the mix, and maybe the postal service gets counted in that group. There's, a, right. there's enough room for all of these players. Right. Um, it just means that the market's more mature. It, there's not a room and for- And it's changed. It absolutely has. Yeah. So Alan, I, I do have to ask before we, we sort of wind down the conversation, there's been a lot of disruption, not the kind that you, we talked about, but some of the dis disruptors have been disrupted in recent months. Uh, you know, we saw Flexport have its personnel change, change of the guard back to the founder, to Ryan Peterson, reports that its revenues were down 70%. Uh, Convoy, you know, shut down. Now Convoy's tech stack is going to be a part of Flexport. There's been a lot of other conversations of venture capital about all of the sort of funding environment drying up. Companies are down, in some cases, double digits in terms of growth or even in terms of revenue or more. What do you take about the current environment that is going on? So, look, I think from the investor standpoint, you know, um, folks are much more focused on the near term and, you know, taking a much closer look at, you know, if and when these companies, you know, can actually start, you know, making money, right? I mean, I think that- You that, mean that, truly making money- That's right. Not unit economic expansion. Right, right, exactly. And I, so I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's been a pullback. And let's face it, I mean, look, the, you know, when you look at Convoy and, you know, even Flexport and, you know, talking to, you know, you know people in the industry- you know, they've built some really good tech. I mean, it's good stuff. You know, the, you know, the, the challenge is they, you know, they, they, they you know, they, they, one couldn't make the economics work and one's still struggling to make the economics work. But somebody's going to be the beneficiary of all that, right? And it also caused the rest of the industry to begin to look inside their own, you know, house and figure out what they could do better. But from an investment standpoint, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenging environment. And, you know, when folks start looking at those, um, uh, you know, startup companies, uh, you know, you know, slides and what they want to do. I mean, when you, when you think about it, probably 95 percent of the startups the last, you know, few years, you know, if we pulled out their um, their their original deck <laughs> of, of where they were going to be now. Right, right. You're talking about performers. Right, right, oh, right. So, I, as so, a fellow, as a founder, I don't want. <laughs> I've seen some of my early numbers. Right. Let's just be frank. Right. So, so and and now that the market's changed, and uh, you know they're starting to see down rounds, and uh, and, and you know seeing their money, you know, being basically devalued. It's, it's uh, you know, people are going to be you know a bit more conservative. You know, and uh, and really want to see the goods, um, and so, I think uh, you know studying studying the uh, 
the concept a little bit deeper than than the way we were spreading them out spreading around money before the dreamers and yeah. and and all of this so the dream of the business is yeah. different than the reality if you have a and sort of closing thoughts on this if you have a founder who has raised money raised money i should say a couple years ago and currently has some capital capital but not enough to get to break even and they have a business model, maybe it's in digital brokerage, or maybe it's just overall, it's a high burn business model. And what what message do you have to them? What would you leave them with, both from an operator, an industry expert, and someone who's taught to a lot of these startups? Look, in the end, and I, and I think I, I heard this before, you know, during the, uh, during some of these sessions, uh, and it's resonated with me, this logistics and transportation is a, is, is, is a, is an execution business, right? You, you've got to operate, right? So, so, you know, you need to take a look inside your company and, and, and make sure that you're, um, you've defined what the metrics are and you're, you're operating and executing through those metrics so that when, you know, when you're courting an investor, even if you're not, you know, making it exactly how you plan to make it, right, right? And you're, you're a little bit behind, but you're, you're able to demonstrate with the leading indicators that you know you're gonna you're gonna achieve those lagging indicators, which are the you know the finance you know mm-hmm. your, 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 the metrics that you know are gonna make your company successful, and uh, and uh, and and focus on that and demonstrate that, and uh, make sure you have the right talent on board that can help you do that. And when when you passed on investments or, or you didn't do it, what was the typically the trigger was it that you didn't have confidence that the management hit the numbers is that pretty much the foundational yeah i think so yeah i mean I th- look you know there there are a lot of great ideas right but but take an idea and make it a reality um you know you need more than an idea right right and uh and look there's a lot a lot of smart people but i think they've they've got to make sure again like they've got the talent on board that can that can help drive that you know, and it'll be, it'll be a little bit of a zigzag. I get that part, right? Right. But, but you know, we got, you, we got to see the line going in the right direction and, uh, and, and see daylight, you know, uh, or be able to envision it, you know, if it's really early stage. Well, and so appreciate it so much. We'll have to continue this conversation at uh, some point in the future. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much. All right. Thank you.